morning. I got a little warning from, uh, I think it was Mike this morning, to hold the mic close to my face. Well, I'm a loud talker, so I may not have to hold it too close. Um, I will say that um, the first thing is, if you're visiting with us today and you find that the children's pastor is coming to speak, your first thought is, great, 20 minutes of hearing how great kids are, and which they are, by the way, and, uh, and then you're going to recruit me. Well, I can assure you that it's not my goal today. Now, I might catch you in the hall later. But I'm not going to do that in here. Um, and I would say that um, you're actually at the advantage. I'm at the disadvantage up here because you guys are about two or three feet taller than my typical audience. Um, so the only way I would feel completely comfortable is if you wiggle around some, you raise your hand to go to the bathroom, you ask for a snack, and you ask when my mommy's coming back. Um, but I will say that... Any good children's pastor always has lollipops. So if you're really good listeners today, you can have one before you leave, okay? I'm just going to leave those right here so in case you start kind of, you know, fading, just look up there. Those will help you get back on track. But um, a few weeks ago, it's probably a month ago or more, um, David and Kim and I were just sitting and we were talking about some things, some some um, ministry things, some scheduling things, and David just kind of says, hey, why don't you speak? And I'm like, I don't usually say no to David. So I said, okay. And then later I was like, what did I just do? What was I thinking? Um, you know, I'm great with kids. I can stand in front of them all day. And so I just, I really, I worried about it. I thought about it. And then I prayed about it. And, you know, and I just began to ask the Lord, what in the world am I going to talk about? Because I don't want it to be an infomercial for kids because I can talk about them all the time, but that's not what I want this to be, and I don't think that's what the Lord wanted it to be. So he just began to say, sow the seed that I've put in you. And it was so cool when we were singing that worship song, and it was saying, the seed you put in me, let me sow it. And so then I was, so then I was worried, well, you know, I don't want to get up there and give a 20-minute testimony um, about my life. Um, you know, I don't think people want to hear that. And the Lord said, no, just give a testimony about me and what I've done in your life, and what I've done in your heart. And, um, and so that's where we're going today. And I will say that this is the big question. This is the big question I have struggled with, particularly these last, last two and a half years, is who am I? Who am I in the Lord? And so then when, that, when the Lord said, this is what you're going to talk about, well, then I was kind of afraid, well, you know, it's going to be this self-help seminar, and everybody's going to leave going, what did I really get out of that? But I want you to stick with me today. And, um, and one of the things when I was getting ready to speak is I thought about the, the, what, the stories that really touch my heart in the Bible is when Jesus would talk in parables. You know, when Jesus would teach, he would always, he would always teach something that was kind of abstract, like this who are we kind of thing, um, in things that people already knew. He spoke, you know, he spoke a lot about um, farming and animals, that the things that people already understood, he used that to teach them about the kingdom of God. So I began to think, okay, so Lord, what, what do we already know about that has anything to do with who we are? And the word I got was commercials. Now, commercials, okay? Now, again, stick with me here. And I'm telling you all all this because this might get a little kind of like, what, where are we going? And so I want you just to just to stick in there because God has a really 
cool message at the end after we kind of do some back and forth, okay? So I'm going to pray because we want that message to come through, and then we'll get started. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is alive, that you can use um, even a simple thing like commercials to teach us about you. Lord, I do pray that you will just um, anoint my words this morning. Let those be, let them be your words, Lord. Let them um, sow seeds in our hearts, Lord, and let um, your name be glorified. Amen. Okay, so I did a little research on commercials, um, and we all see commercials every day, right? Um, and this is kind of from like a statistic um, that I found. Even if you watch only one hour of TV a day, you will spend at least 15 minutes of that watching commercials. That's why if you're like me and you have TiVo, you tape your favorite shows so you can fast forward through all the commercials. So you can get rid of those, okay? And it's, this was another statistic I found, that if you watch an average amount of TV a day, if you read the newspaper, if you go online, if you even drive down the highway and you see billboards, you will, be, you will have been exposed to over 1,600 ads of some kind in one day. In one day, okay? So commercials are pretty, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming at us. It's hard to avoid commercials. And let's face it, they, like, they kind of stick with us. We all, like, say, did you see the funny commercial? You know, did you see the Super Bowl commercial? We all talk about them. And there's those that even after they're not running anymore, we can still remember them. And for me, as a kid, I remember the one, um, the, the Coke one. I'd like to give the world a Coke. That one? I'm going to know that song my whole life. I'm going to know that the Coke is a real thing, and I want to share it. I'm going to remember that. I identify that Coke with that, right? And then there's the one, I don't know, some of you are a lot younger than me, but there was the Wendy's one, Where's the Beef? Well, every time somebody said, Where's the Beef? We automatically thought of Wendy's. So some of these commercials stick with us, and we kind of identify that thing with that commercial that we have kept, that we keep hearing. Okay, so let's just talk about some things that commercials entail for just a minute. First, are those pictures going to work? Aha, okay. First, we have false advertising. Okay, now false advertising can be just a straight-out lie, or sometimes it's just not the whole truth. But either way, it's a misrepresentation of the truth. Now, this one I found, and this was a Listerine commercial from, like, the 1930s, okay? And Listerine said that if you, you could use it as aftershave. Listerine. Yes, the mouthwash, okay? You could use it as aftershave, and if you did, you would never be sick, okay? No colds, no flu. This stuff even cured burns. It cured uh, cuts. It reduced swelling. It did everything, everything, okay? So definitely false advertising, all right? Now, next, this one. Um, if I, this is a branding. Commercials get branded. So even before you saw that picture, if I said to you, just do it, what would you automatically think of? Nike. What about, about if I said the real thing? Coca-Cola. Okay, these are things that are branded. They, they have been out there so much, they've been told to us so much that we identify. We don't even have to see the Coke sign if somebody says the real thing, we automatically. And if you live in Atlanta, you've, Coca-Cola is so prevalent. If you want a soda, you say, I want a Coke, even if you're going to drink a Sprite, right? 
Okay, so those things, it, it, they, um, they're defined by this slogan. They're defined by it. That's their identity. So I want you to remember that. Okay. Now, some brands are so um, branded that generically they become the thing. So I don't want a tissue. I want a Kleenex. Every bandage that I put on a child's cut is not just a bandage. It's a Band-Aid. So those things are, the identity is so ingrained in us that we can't, we even call them the other things. Okay, now, so we've got false advertising, we've got branding, and then there's disclaimers. Know that one? Okay. These drive me crazy. Okay? It's that little asterisk right there. Results not typical. What does that mean? Does that mean, Marie... I'm going to lose more weight. I'm going to lose less weight. What do I believe? I don't even know if I'm supposed to believe that it works or not, if results aren't typical. Now, I know that companies have to do this for legal reasons. They have to protect themselves. Not everybody's going to look like Marie Osmond when they finish, all that stuff. I get that. But to me, it's kind of a cop-out. It's kind of like we're saying, I want you to buy this, but I'm not going to promise you anything. There's no guarantees. Okay, I, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back what I say. So that's the disclaimers. They're not really taking responsibility. Okay, by the way, I don't have anything against any of these. I've never done Nutrisystem. It might work. I'm, I don't use Listerine, but, so that's my disclaimer. I don't have anything against those. But, okay, so this is the thing with commercials. <clears throat> I think that our minds and our hearts are like commercials. And we have this constant thing in us. That's telling us who we are. Now, that doesn't mean that you've got this in-your-face OxyClean commercial going on in your head all the time. I think sometimes it can be really subtle. But I think it's there. It can be negative. It can be positive. But it's there. It doesn't have to be the big thing. Like some, like commercials, some of us have false advertisements. We have these lies in our hearts that just kind of stay there. Don't know why they started. Maybe it's something somebody said. Maybe something that happened to you, but it's there. Like some commercials, if we're not careful, the thing that we tell ourselves about ourselves, the things we hear, the thing we hear all the time, turns into our identity. Like the just do it is Nike. That thing we hear all the time turns into the our identity. And I think sometimes. We justify what's going on there with the disclaimers. All right, before we get that, I'm going I'm to tell you about somebody in the Bible. and um, His name is Jedediah. Now, if you go in the concordance of your Bible, you're probably not going to find him. Matter of fact, I have, a pretty, I have a pretty big study Bible, and he's not listed in the concordance in my Bible at all. I had to go to another reference to find him. Now, the name Jedediah, as far as I can tell, as far as I could find, and David will correct me later if I'm wrong, he was only, that name was only used one time in the Bible. But the person who was Jedediah is very significant in the Bible. He's in several books of the Bible. As a matter of fact, he even wrote parts of some of the books of the Bible. Okay, so I want you guys to turn with me, if you can, <clears throat> in 2 Samuel... 12, and we're going to start at 24. 
Okay. All right, so 2 Samuel 12, 24, and 25. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. So Solomon is Jedidiah. Jedidiah is Solomon, same person that later becomes King Solomon. Okay, but let me kind of set up where where this where we were in the story when all when this little this little section of scripture where we are. Okay, so David <clears throat> had sinned. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, who was the wife of someone in his army, and Bathsheba became pregnant. And because of all the the sin, the lies and the adultery and the murder, because David ended up having this woman's husband killed. Um, there were some terrible, horrible, uncomfortable, sad consequences. She gave birth and that baby died. And David repented. David went to the Lord and he asked for forgiveness and he repented and the Lord forgave him. And later Bathsheba becomes his wife. And that's where this picks up. And she became pregnant again. And then after this baby is born, Solomon is born, David and Bathsheba, it's like they're saying, they're saying, you know, we messed up. We messed up. But God is good, and God forgave, and God redeemed. He is good. And we're going to name this child Solomon. And Solomon meant peace. And I'm sure for those parents, they were like, we have peace. We have peace in the Lord. He is good. He has redeemed us. But look what it says. After they named him Solomon, the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Now Solomon, what? That's a great name. Peace. Peace. But the Lord said, I've got something even better. Jedidiah. Jedidiah means loved by the Lord. So his parents saw him as peace. And the Lord saw him as a beloved child it's a beloved child now that's a commercial i want going on in my head in my heart so what did jedediah solomon do with this information he knew he was loved by the lord he grew up probably knowing that i'm sure he did and later he becomes king well solomon did lots of things he was a great and wise king and as long as jedediah solomon stayed with that Jedediah identity in him, he did great. The, the Bible tells us that men from the world, all over the world, came to him to hear his wisdom. They knew he was wise in the Lord, and they came to him to hear his wisdom. And as long as his identity was a Jedediah identity, I'm loved by the Lord, who just happens to be king, he did great. He messes up. And he lets his identity become more about being the king than being loved by the Lord. And he even gives in to um, idol worship and all that. And I'm not saying if we have one misstep or we forget for a minute that the Lord loves us, that we're going to be a Solomon and we're going to mess up and we're going to worship idols. No, there's grace. I don't think that. But I do think it's important to know that the first thing that happens in his life after he's born is the Lord says, you are loved by me. 
That was first, long before he became king, long before he did anything else. That was first. And that's what I want us to get at today, that that's first. That's first. I want us to have that Jedediah identity first. Okay, so let's look back at the commercial thing for just a minute. If we're living like a Jedediah, then the commercials we have in our heads and in our hearts are good. If we're not, I think those commercials can be very destructive. False advertisements. Okay, remember, these are the things that are, they can be straight out lies, or they can just be half-truths, or they can just be deceptions. A little bit, just a little, just a little deception kind of sneaks in there. Okay, and I think we all have them, at least to some extent. Maybe some more than others. But I think things like, nothing I do is good enough. Oh, gosh, look at that mom. She's doing that, and I'm not doing that for my kid. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should sign him up for more. You know, those things. Um, you know, I keep messing up. I keep making all these mistakes. Why do I keep making bad decisions? All these things. Those are from the enemy. Jesus specifically says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And this is my theory with lies. We don't know they're lies until we know the truth. Think about the Listerine ad. I would say that everybody that saw those ad, that ad in the 30s, they thought it was true. They were probably buying that stuff, putting it on burns, putting it after shape. They were probably using it. Until someone tested it and said, no, this does not work. This is not true. And they replaced it with the truth because people believed it. Now, I don't know if Listerine keeps you from having a cold. My grandmother would tell you it does. If you gargle Listerine every day, you will not get sick. I don't know. But I do know that a lie is a lie, and we, it, and we don't know it's a lie until it's replaced with the truth. So if we have this lie in us, until we let God replace it with truth, we don't even know it's a lie. We just think it's what it is. So, if you say, I'm not worthy, God says, you are my workmanship. If you say, I'm not good enough, God says, you are chosen and dearly loved. If you say, I am completely alone, God says, you are my child adopted into my family, and I am always with you. Now, maybe these false ads don't apply to you. Maybe you're sitting there going, I don't, you know, I think pretty good of myself. I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm all right. And that is great. But I would say that if you're there, you have to be careful not to step into what Solomon did and start identifying with what you do rather than who you are. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, so the false advertisements aren't enough. Then we have disclaimers. But, you know, you don't know what I've done. Jesus can't love me like that. You don't know what my past is. You don't know all the yucky stuff. God can't love me like that. Just like I said, the disclaimer in the commercial, I think that's a cop-out. I think it's a cop-out. It's like putting the results aren't typical. You're going to cover your bases. See, if you don't fully trust God that he can forgive you, 
and redeem you and that he loves you and that he can make you new in him, then you don't have to live up to anything either. You don't have to take any responsibility for how you're living or not living as a child of God. There's no real commitment. It's a results not typical kind of life. I read this quote last week, and I just got a little chuckle out of it. It said, avoid identity theft, just be a schmuck. Right? Who wants to steal your identity if it's not worth anything? You know? I don't want to be somebody that's, you know, not worth anything. But I would tell you that the Bible says you are worth something. It says you were made in God's image, and you are of ultimate value to him. As I was doing some research on the commercials and kind of like, you know, different products and all that, and this is the thing that I found, um, that the value of the commodity, the value of the product is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. So the amount of stock a product puts in their, or a company puts in their product, the amount of time they're willing to spend on advertising it, It's all related to what someone is willing to pay for it, what it's worth. So, if you are the commodity, what are you worth? What do you think you're worth? Let's see. Let's see Romans 5.8. This is what you're worth. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I would say, God thinks you're worth something. He was willing to pay with his, with his son. And Jesus thinks we're worth something. Because he was willing to pay a heavy price. His life for your life. So, I'd say you got some value as a commodity. Alright, now, I don't think that there's a disclaimer on God's end. As a matter of fact, I would say that results are typical with God. And I don't mean typical in the ordinary, because nothing's ever ordinary with God. But I think that it's offered to everyone. There's no disclaimer. It's only for certain people. And if you do it this way, it's only, it'll be for you. And, you know, like the, the, the diet ad. If I do it exactly right and I exercise, I'm going to lose weight. And if I don't, eh, they're not taking any responsibility. There's no disclaimer with God. I asked the kids in Pathfinders a while back, I said, um, you know, what is, does your parent, do you, like, if you ask your parents to do something, they ever look at you and go, mm, we'll see. And they're like, yeah. I said, what does that mean? And some of them said, that just means no, but they don't tell me yet. <laughs> Y'all need to work on that. Um, and some of them said, it means maybe. I said, yeah, that's exactly what it means. And I said, well, what does it mean if you say to your mom, you know, can we go get ice cream after school on Friday? And she says, I promise we'll do that. What does that mean? They said, it's going to happen. 
It's going to happen because my mom keeps her promises. And this is what I tell the kids, and this is what I want you to hear too. There are no will sees in God's word. None. Not one. A promise is a promise is a promise. If it is in God's word, it's a promise. Period. Not we'll see. It's a promise. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. If God says you're his beloved, it's a promise. If God says you're worthy, it's a promise. There's no disclaimer. Okay, so what about the branding? Branding is simple. It's what you believe. If your commercial is based on false advertisements, those lies from the enemy, then that's your branding. And you'll live from that. That's where you'll live. You're defeated before you really even get started. And if you're not one of those people who the false advertisement is the issue, remember I told you to be careful. Because your identity might be wrapped up in what you do rather than who you are. I mean, if somebody looks at you and says, who are you? you most people will say, oh, I'm a teacher or I'm an engineer or I'm a dad or I'm a mom. That's what you do. That's not who you are. You are the Lord's. Now, I'm not saying if somebody says, what, who are you? You go, well, I am beloved by the Lord. I don't think we're going to do that. But I will say to you, if you know it, you don't have to say it. Because that's where you'll live from. Everything that you do, everything that, is, that you are is centered on Christ and he is in you. You don't have to say it. And it is so freeing. It is so freeing to live that way because then there's no pressure on you. The Bible tells us that Jesus holds everything together. Well, if he holds everything together, then I don't have to live up to something. I don't have to be something. I don't have to be what I've told, what the lie in my head and in my heart has told me because I'm God's. And there's a freeness in that. I wanted to, I think I have time, I want to tell you just a quick little story. I don't usually work on Fridays, but I came up here Friday afternoon um, to meet somebody, and David was here working, and so we were sitting in the front, um, in the chairs in the front, while I was waiting for the person I was meeting to come in, and we saw this lady get out of a car, and she was pretty hard to miss. I mean, she, the, the car pulled up right in front, and, and she was dressed all in purple, and purple's my favorite color, so I really noticed her. And so, I mean, she head to toe. Head to toe, shirt, pants, toenail polish was purple, purse was purple, the whole thing. And she was, I would say, I'm not good with ages, but I would say definitely late six, huh? 120, David said. I was going to say, I'm a little nicer than that, in her 70s. And she got out of the car, and like I said, you know, she was hard to miss. I mean, we definitely noticed her. And she kind of started walking up the sidewalk, and then she stopped. And she looked at our sign, and she, so David's like, she's coming in. So she came in. And, and this is what, this is why I'm telling you this story. I have thought about her several times, um, since that day. And I would say pretty, I mean, I, we spent maybe 10 minutes with this lady. 
she came in, asked us about her church. She's a missionary in Israel. She's home, I'm guessing, on furlough. She had a shofar with her. She came. She wanted to come in and blow it in our sanctuary. I mean, she was just delightful. And But we only spent about 10 minutes with her. I don't really know this lady except for what I just told you. But I will say this. I feel like she definitely has a Jedediah identity. She is living out of who God made her to be. There was, I mean, if you had met her, you would know what I mean. She, she had an identity with the Lord. And that doesn't mean that as soon as you get a, you have a Jedediah identity, he's going to call you to go overseas and be a missionary. No. But she knew who she was in the Lord. And, in, and I knew that in 10 minutes of talking to her. So when you have that Jedediah identity, you can live in the freedom of that and in the fullness of that, of what God has for you. Okay, so stay with me. I'm almost done. If you're like me, I kind of hear all this stuff and I learn all this stuff, and then I kind of go, okay, now what am I going to do with it? Like, what am I supposed to do with all that stuff? And how am I supposed to, you know, fix it if I have this false advertisement or whatever? So, if you're not living fully in your Jedediah identity as a beloved child of God, then you got to change your commercial. And I don't mean just fast forward past it or ignore it and just let it be background back here and just try to ignore it. You've literally got to change the channel. You've got to change the channel. Just like you would on your TV, if you see a commercial comes on that does not appeal to you, it's, you know, it's whatever. You just don't like it. You change the channel. So how do you do that? Romans 12.2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So get it in your mind. I'm a beloved child of God. God will transform it. He'll change the channel. He will renew your mind. You have to change the commercial that's keeping you from the fullness of who you are in Christ. God knows who you are. He says it in his word. And remember, there's no will sees. It's a promise. It doesn't matter if you were like Solomon and you started out the best of circumstances and automatically you got that name Jedediah I mean and you had this upbringing that you were told that all the time and you're great and you're going to be it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're the one who feels so messed up that you just think there is no way that God can love me like that that's for somebody else it doesn't matter if you are a huge success financially relationally professionally but you're living apart from the grace of God. Or if you really are doing great. Doesn't matter where you are. We all need to know who we are in the Lord. Every day. David talked a little bit. I, I have to I listen to David's um, sermons online since I'm not in here, and so I'm always kind of a couple weeks behind somehow. But um he, he talked a, a few weeks ago about us still having our grave clothes on. Even when we're alive and we've come out of the tomb and sometimes we still have those grave clothes on. 
And he even mentioned some of us just don't know who we are in the Lord. And he talked about how this, this, the sand under us kind of shifts if we really don't know. The, the sand doesn't shift when your foundation is in the Lord, ever. It doesn't shift. It doesn't matter what goes on around you. It doesn't matter if you're doing great professionally today and tomorrow you lose your job. It doesn't matter. If your foundation is in the Lord, if you know who you are in the Lord, all that other stuff is just stuff. If you take hold of that Jedidiah identity, there's freedom. Freedom to walk anointed. If you are a, if you belong to Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are anointed. And it's real. And you can walk in freedom in that. You're chosen in advance to do good works. I think Bo's going to come back up. And as he's coming back up in just a minute, I'm going to, um, no, come on. Come on. I'm sorry. That wasn't a good cue. I meant that. Um, um, I'm going to read some scripture about who, sorry, about who you are. And as we're doing this, and this may seem a little, you know, silly or whatever, I want you to really listen and let it penetrate your heart. Because this is from God's word, and it has, it does not say that it's just for certain people. It's for you. So I want you to stand up, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you just to begin to pray, Lord, let this sink in. This is who the Lord says you are. And this is only a little bit. I, didn't, I can't even, get, I couldn't even do every one. Listen to these. You are a child of God. You are Christ's friend. You are chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. You are a son or a daughter of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are joined, united to the Lord. You are a new creation. You are reconciled to God. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ to do his work. You are righteous and holy. You are a citizen of heaven. You are chosen by God, holy and dearly loved. You are his beloved. You are his Jedediah. Before I close this in prayer, I want us to, I kind of think that, that most of us kind of fall into three categories with this. One, I think, Maybe you're the person in here today that has those um, false ads. And we're going to pray for truth to replace those lies. Maybe that's not you. 
you feel good. But you're just shy of having your identity defined by what you do, not who you are in the Lord. Maybe you're really good in this area. You know who you are in the Lord. You do have a Jedediah identity. And for you, I have a challenge. Who are you showing how to find their Jedediah identity? Who in your life does not know who they are in the Lord? Where are you planting the seeds? Heavenly Father, we do um, thank you, Lord, that all of these things that you tell